Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with lots in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, the movie that launched 1,000 quotes as Tarantino's sophomore effort creates a poster that adorns student walls across the land and relaunches Travolta's career so he can then make a lot more crap. From 1994, it's Pulp Fiction. While in the blue corner, a movie I've watched a thousand times because anything Tarantino can do, Doug Lyman can copy as he <laughs> dials down the age of the cast and the class of drugs. But is the movie Class B to Tarantino's Class A? From 1999, it's time to go. You ever seen that show, Cops? I was watching it one time and there was this, this cop on. He was talking about, about this gunfight he had in the hallway with this, this guy, right? And he just unloaded on this guy and nothing happened. He didn't hit nothing. Okay, it was just him and this guy. I mean, you know, it's, it's freaky, but it happens. Look, you want to play blind man, go walk with the shepherd. But me, my eyes are wide fucking open. What the fuck does that mean? I mean, that's it for me. From here on in, you consider my ass retired. Jesus Christ. Don't blast are you a virgin? What? Come on, Claire. Answer the question. Answer the question, Claire. Oh. Uh, I just club, I get it. Don't say anything. Try not to look so stoned. Then I get there and, I don't know, this girl's brother has already, you know, come through with it, so... I understand that. Okay. Let me just, um, you know... Fill out a return slip here, and I'll have the manager give you a refund. So it's a double bill of triple bills this week, but which film will be victorious? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. When you little scamps get together, you're worse than a sewing circle. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. We three meet again! <laughs> Hooray! Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, great. Yeah? Yeah, I missed you both. Thanks. Yeah, a week away, and then obviously I haven't seen you for, mm. what, two oh, of weeks? Oh, course, two yeah. weeks, two weeks apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been good? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, well, what did you think of the show? 
Well, the second one hasn't aired at this time of but recording. the first one, what did you think of? I loved it. Really yeah. What good. was your favourite bit? My favourite bit was the conversation, which I didn't know, uh, about Noel Coward and the director. And he, ah, he was an author. The clip <laughs> on social media. Oh, nice. <laughs> See what he's done there. Uh, yeah, but I did enjoy the fact that Vicky somehow made that negative. Yeah. Uh, which is <laughs> I was just saying. Yeah, I was listening to it going, you couldn't do that now. <laughs> no, you see, that's what I'm saying. I'm just like... Right. Just, yeah, red flag. Um, so I am interested to know, though. Uh, I, this is this. It's nice to be back this week. Uh, this this is a great pairing. It softens the blow for missing Italian job versus Fast Five. What one? Uh, Fast Five. Fast Five did. Yeah. Okay. Fast Five won. All right. All right. And I, I mean, I voted for Italian job once Fast Five had already won. Yeah. Probably would have voted for Fast Five before then. <laughs> it was tricky. I just felt, I felt some degree of, I don't know, loyalty, loyalty. to the Italian job. Of but, right. Yeah. So you voted for, this is Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> See, you should have been on the episode, Al. Look, you want to go back and do it, didn't you? We kept, we did keep saying <sighs> Alex should be on this. This is Alex's film. Yeah. Alex would be crying at this point. Because we were like, and then the cars go fast. Mm. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> that said, uh, uh, look, I'm not going to get into it because I wasn't here, but that safe chase is truly phenomenal. Right then, welcome to part one of Pulp Fiction versus Go. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, where have you been? And to explain, we'll be doing Pulp Fiction today and Go on Thursday, at which point we will declare what is the better film. So, these choices today, yes, based on the Clash calendar, available in all good <laughs> adult websites. So, tell us why. Well, we 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 have to do Pulp Fiction, do we not? Um, we don't have to do anything. Do we not? We do have to do Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, all, right. all right, this is the be, one be, thing we have be, to do. Being yeah. the age we are on the people, we just have to do it. Yeah, yeah. sure. And then go, you know, I, I thought I'd seen it a thousand times, but I think what I did, I think I walked into your room a thousand times when you were watching it, and I watched a bit and went, right, I'm going now. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're high on your own watching Go. <laughs> this is only so much fun. I got drawn into it. it I just there's so much of it I didn't remember. And I was like, maybe I haven't seen it as many times. You've as watched as me watching Go. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. I tried to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is Thursday. Uh, so what was the clue you gave on last week's show? <laughs> pills are pills, but they call them la pills. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I felt. It's fucking brilliant. You no, know, it's it just not? it's just your usual thing of taking a line from one, sticking something from the other in it, and bang, mushing them together. But it's still funny, though, isn't it? No, of course it is. I don't know why I'm laughing. Actually, maybe it is. Yeah, all right, it's not that bad. What would you have done? I'm curious. It's really hard. Cause... Well, I did do a clue. Oh, did you now on, on, on the what... social media? Which yeah. is was it good? Uh, I tweeted next for clue week additional. Have hours, you twenty four. Oh, zing! <gasps> That's how you do it. I don't get it. He's fucked up the narrative. Oh, wow. I've done it out of order. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> God, I stand corrected. Take a moment. Bloody high, hell. High five. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, you are genuinely very good at that. Both good clues. Well, are they? Are they? <laughs> right, so your guess has arrived in a muddled narrative on our Twitter where we're still at ClashPod, also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod with loads of beautiful extras and videos from the show. And if you're in the business for a little extra clash of the visual variety, completely free of charge, subscribe to our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. Uh, right, your guesses. Congrats to Ian Robson, Lara Jackson, Rosie Moronti, Tibbs, but this week's winner and multiple champion. You have to be up pretty early to beat this guy. Robert Farley, congratulations once again, Robert. Your prize this week is drugs and a cat that can read your thoughts. That came in at about 6am. So I was trying to work this out. Right, I meant just get some rest, man. I, I, <laughs> you might have been doing an early shift. 
Yeah, true, true. But also, what Chris has said... Um, <laughs> I wanted to know how long the show was. Do you remember how long the Italian job was? Because I'm trying to work out whether he did, Robert Farley, you're being called out, uh, whether he jumped to the end or whether he'd listened well, to the episode. We, we, we've got some stats now. You, you personally, so mm. you personally had 20 minutes onto any episode, whereas I don't change it at all. <laughs> what? How does that work? What are you the saying? episodes that the three of us are on are an hour and 15 minutes. Right. The episodes that the two of you do on your own are an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> or an hour and a half. And the ones that me and Vicky do... 55 minutes <laughs> coming in well under an hour right so either I don't add anything to it or you talk a lot of shit <laughs> probably Sorry. a combination of both it feels like you've just crowbarred in a character assassination because that has nothing to do with my question about how long you are like, on the show was right it was short because it was just me and Vicky so it was 55 minutes long yeah about yeah. that yeah. alright I think maybe Robert listened to the whole thing maybe he was up early alright fine uh, well nevertheless well done Robert so let's do the connections section both start in cafes over breakfast Yes. Oh, very good. Overdosing. Uh, dealers saying that their stuff is the best stuff. Mm. Uh, White people saying the N-word. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we'll get to that. Both set in LA? Yes. Uh, LA's, that's a big one. That's a big one. Mm. Uh, cleaning the car of a person. Cleaning them off that car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. Uh, the yeah. upwards trunk shot. Yeah. Oh, that. I mean, if you're going to make a movie that you're worried well, about people going, this is going to be a bit like Pulp Fiction, don't include do that, a Tarantino yeah. shot in There's it. There's two. There's two upward yeah. trunk shots in Go. I guess it's I guess it's a purposely homage. And then afterwards, he's like, oh, I should. I wish I'd not done that. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. gives them more ammunition. Um, any more? Nah. Women back from the dead. Okay. Yep. Very yeah. good. Yep. Good. Yeah. Uh, do you want my favourite? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Both feature Vegas. Mm, very good. Very good. Oh, yeah. Round of applause. Great. That's Come great. On. That's also good. Come on. Come on, everyone. Oh, I took some time off after that. Right. On Thursday, I'm off. Literally, I'm going to go, which means today a soft, moist, shapeless mass of matter is one definition of pulp, but it's the other that the hard-toned, shapely mass of matter that is Chris Tilly is concerned with. Chris Take us on a journey. I'm going to start by just doing a little precursor here. Um, have you ever figured out or thought about what this story is like in chronological order? I guess a bit. No. And did better or worse? I haven't thought about it, so I can't answer that. Well, I'm about to do it in chronological order. Wowzers, trousers. So I want you. Been busy. Maybe, maybe close your eyes and think about this. Is the is the is non-shuffled good? version good? <laughs> Because I've always wondered. I've never bothered to write it down. Did okay. you actually do this or is it Yes, online? no, I did this. This isn't online. Somebody. No, this is me. This is you. Right. Uh, prologue. A soldier gives a little boy called Butch his grandfather's watch that he spent two years hiding up his bum. Day one. Vincent and Jules retrieve Marcellus Wallace's attache case and kill the people holding it, apart from Marvin, who they accidentally shoot in their car. With the help of the bloke from the district line adverts, they get cleaned up and dispose of the body and car. They go to lunch where two thieves stage a robbery, but Jules takes them down and everyone else leaves alive. Talks them down, sorry. Uh, Vincent and Jules drop the case off at Marcellus's bar where Vincent eyeballs grown-up Butch, who is now a boxer. Day two. Vincent takes Mia Wallace to dinner at Jack Rabbit Slim's. Afterwards, Mia ODs on heroin, but is brought back to life by an adrenaline shot to the heart. Butch wins the fight he was supposed to throw, then goes to the motel where his girlfriend is waiting. She seems like a right laugh. <laughs> Fabian, what Fabian, oh, please. Oh, go away. Day three, day three. Yeah. 
That girlfriend forgot the butt watch, so Butch goes home to retrieve it. Mm. While there, he realises Vincent is in his loo and shoots him dead with Vincent's gun. Butch drives away, straight into Marcellus. They have an altercation that ends in a store where they are tied up and introduced to the gimp before Zed rapes Marcellus. Vincent breaks free and rescues Marcellus, who prepares to get medieval on some asses, and lets Butch go. Butch and his girlfriend ride off on Zed's chopper. The end. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, uh, do you know what? It's weird because I was when you said the end, I thought there'd be more, and yeah, I don't <laughs> like it ending on Butch um, because it's the worst segment of the movie. Mm-hmm. So no, it's not as good. But it's kind of a fist pumping moment when he does drive off. He says, "Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead," and drives off. Sure, it's a cool moment to end the film on. Yeah. Sure, but you're ending on a character who we've not really met until halfway through, and you're sort of invested in Jules and Vince mm. still. So yeah. It's a no from me. I prefer the way Tarantino did it, which is probably why I did it that way. <laughs> he thinks lots of films would have more resonance if told in a non-linear way. I mean, most of his films have been done in that way. Um, uh, one other thing I do like about this, though, is Samuel L. Jackson's mother, after the premiere, wanted to know why they didn't put the movie together right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. I love a critical mum. That's, that's exactly what my mum would have said. She, the first the first Channel 4 show I did at Balls of Steel I was like I'm on Channel f- Mum Channel 4 at, at like terrestrial TV you got to watch it she went hmm I didn't really get it mm. I do like that Mark Dolan chat though <laughs> he, he is he's, so- got a, he's got a future <laughs> He is someone whose politics I can't see myself ever disagreeing with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. On that bum show. That's awful. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Long time no see. You have to say that. Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) He's not coming for a pint with us anytime soon. (laughs) No, he he is, actually. (laughs) So, let's do a bit of background. I'm going to try and fly through it. There's a lot to talk about with Pulp Fiction. Not interested in our histories with the movie, then. You spent so long on there. Sure. Yeah. No, that was it. <laughs> well, your 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 version of the narrative. Well, like, was... I'm just guessing it's a first time watch for both of you. <laughs> it's if, been on my list for a while. It's embarrassing. Uh, I haven't seen it. Mark Parsons didn't have it on video, therefore I never saw it. Yeah. Vicky, uh, when did you first watch this? Film? I mean, this is a riveting story. I don't remember, but I remember not being allowed to go to the. Carry cinema. on, Chris. <laughs> Tell us about the history of the movie. I'll be honest, I can't remember either. I was 13 when it came out, and I wanted to see it, but I wasn't allowed to go no, see it. No, of course not. So we just would have been some friend with a VHS. I've no idea, but I do know that by the time I met Mark Parsons I could at least say I'd seen this and then I've watched it a million I think I watched it like what, once did, a year. did he test you? that was the test wasn't it? it was, I mean, have you, his I first question no, have you seen Pulp Fiction? It felt, a lot of it felt like a test yeah. in the early days yeah. I had to get like a fucking reference in, I'm not joking in the, no I'm not in, in the early days that's the funny part <laughs> like it's not still a test it's got worse <laughs> if anything <laughs> so yeah but uh, I will say, of, like this is one of the longest films we've done. You know, it's up there. It's like what, over two and a half hours mm-hmm. for one of the longest films we've done. Proportionally, this is the least amount of notes I've ever taken. So no pressure, mm-hmm. but you, um, I don't know what you're going to do. Just because I've seen it so many times, like it's just hard to write stuff down about it. So you've got stuff in your head. You want oh, to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Somewhere. Just my checking. only. S- I thought well, one segment I could do, which is what wouldn't happen now. <laughs> what is ruined I'm now? Look forward to that. I'm on tenterhooks. <laughs> Some what? of them are quite good. There's, there's a new. There's a, so you, you're building. Building your own sections now, as well as Inflation Corner. I mean, you've got, what yeah. would have happened now? You missed a doozy last week, oh, Inflation good. Corner. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, what? actually, I mean, obviously, it was difficult for me to yeah. deal with it on my own. Wow. But actually, I think it went well. There's a very good one coming up on Pulp Fiction. I very much hope you've done the research, because it's actually important. 
Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Alex. Uh, <laughs> same story, Claxon. <laughs> hey, did you just hear that? What? Why, is you, why are you pulling that face? You What's hate the story? It? You know, you don't... Oh, great, you don't remember the story. So, French residential, 16 years old, school residential in Rouen. We all go to the <laughs> cinema. The teachers go, we're going to take you to the cinema this evening. I don't know how that fits into learning French, but anyway, we go to the cinema. Le um, Big Mac. Uh, Pulp Fiction, poster in the foyer. Une... Sure. So, uh, we're there in the foyer. There's a poster for Pulp Fiction. We're all like, we demand to see Pulp Fiction. <laughs> They're like, we're not taking you to see Pulp Fiction. That is unacceptable. The level of violence, you know, we can't, we can't in good conscience let you see Pulp Fiction. So instead, they take us to see a erotic thriller, The Colour of Night. That's the one. Uh, which mm. uh, is... I remember. It's, it's worse. far worse. Far worse for A, exposing kids to nudity, and B, exposing kids to a shit film. <laughs> so the weird thing was, watching Pulp Fiction this time, that I've never realised before, is I often go on about how in The Colour of Night, on a French residential, age 16, I saw Bruce Willis's cock in a movie. Yep. Yep. You see it in Pulp Fiction. It would have been the same either way. There's a little flash in the oh, bathroom. Oh, in the shower. Yeah, yeah oh, I, was, very nice. I was looking because I was like... So on that French holiday, you couldn't escape Bruce Willis's penis. <laughs> <laughs> there was just no other alternative. Yeah. I'm the same as Vicky. I remember so vividly Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Went to see that. I had to get my dad to take me because I was about 14, mm. and it was banned. Do you remember Reservoir Dogs was banned? Yeah, I do. For two years, that, you no. could not see Reservoir Dogs. They wouldn't release it on video. So I went to a cinema called the David Lean Cinema that had just opened in Croydon. That's where I saw Reservoir Dogs. Can't remember Pulp Fiction. Don't know why. Because you've seen it so many times, that's why. So the first time it gets know. a bit buried. I don't know, but it's such a big deal. Mm. It's weird. I don't actually remember when I first saw it. I remember when I didn't see it. I don't remember when I first saw it. And it's, yeah, that I, was the question. Yeah, I will... I just, I've only watched it once in my life. And I realised this. You've only watched That's it once? What? Genuinely. This is the second time I've watched it. But that is, apart from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I have this weird addiction to, like, this is, like, every Tarantino movie. And I don't understand what it is. Once I've seen it, it's like it's done. It's not a movie I ever want to revisit. None of them. It's like, you know, watch Species six times. Reservoir Dogs <laughs> once. It's, 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 it's this insane thing. That's so I, interesting. I feel like yeah. for about three years, Pulp Fiction was playing on a loop in my brain. Yeah. And because especially the, because dialogue the, is your thing. Like you, I would say you cherish dialogue above lots of other things true true but that soundtrack as well logic (laughs) character (laughs) everyone had the soundtrack don't go early (laughs) sorry you had the poster Mm. everyone had the soundtrack yeah you had the dialogue on the soundtrack every part you went to would put this album on it was like it was just you couldn't escape it it's true i the sound and everyone was copying it the soundtrack i i I literally was on a loop for like about Mm. five years of my life so good but the movie it's like i just don't know what it is about tarantino films django unchained once, mm. Con Air, 20 times. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, your, that's your problem, not Maybe ours. you don't enjoy the, the jumbled up narrative. Maybe that's all it is. You yeah. just prefer, you get in and get out, act one, two, three, Maybe. happy days. Maybe prefer, that's it. Just prefer worse films. Con Air worse than Django and Chase? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tarantino, he's working in a video shop. He's surrounded by videos. He's watching them incessantly and hit upon an idea for recycling through the oldest stories in the book. Uh, this is a quote from the Vanity Fair article you pointed me to, Vicky, which was great. Uh, the ones you've seen a zillion times, the box who's supposed to throw a fight and doesn't, the mob guy who's supposed to take the boss's wife out for the evening, the two hitmen who come and kill these guys. Well, I found an interview with them elsewhere where he says that third one, he said it's the cliche from the start of every Joel Silver movie. 
<laughs> but once they've killed, we don't leave. We hang out with them for the rest of the morning. Mm. And I guess that is what's different. Mm-hmm. You've, ne- you've never seen that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, 1920s and 30s pulp magazines. These were all influences, hence the name. And he planned on sharing the writing credit with his fellow video store clerk, Roger Avery. Planned? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> uh, Tarantino wrote The Crime Boss's Wife. Avery wrote The Overhill Boxer. And then they were going to have a third person to write the third one. But when that didn't materialise, Tarantino wrote that story too. Mm. But... Oh, it would have been great. It would have been like four rooms. Love four rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Playing on a loop in my head yeah. incessantly. <laughs> like that I've seen 20 times. <laughs> but he had these gangsters playing on a loop in his head incessantly. And so rather than finish his story, he wrote Reservoir Dog. Mm. Uh, that went well. So uh, with the 50 grand he made on that, he flew off to Amsterdam to write this screenplay. And um, Roger Avery joined him, uh, spent some time developing it with him. And when he left, he felt that he was the co-writer of Pulp Fiction <laughs> and that they had an arrangement to that effect. <laughs> so um, awkward. It's so awkward. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to uh, sit down. <laughs> arrangement. Is that a legally binding contract? It's an arrangement. Yeah, with your best friend. Oh, OK. Tarantino remained in Amsterdam, embellishing, adding dialogue, changing stuff around. Who knows? But after production of the movie began, um, Avery reportedly received a call from Tarantino's attorney demanding that he accepts a story by instead of co-writer credit so that Tarantino could say written and directed by me. <laughs> Your friend. Until now. Uh, that was, that was going to be not in the titles. It wasn't going to say Quentin Tarantino. It was going to written and directed by me. He apparently even threatened to remove the Butch storyline from the film. Oh, interesting. Um, wow. Uh, so that Avery would get nothing. Uh, What's so, a nice guy? <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, let's be fair here. Eventually, Avery signed for a f- share of the film's profits mm-hmm. and the story by credit. He says he doesn't remember the bad stuff out of this. Right. He says he's happy with how it went. And they, I mean, he was Tarantino was producing Killing Zoe within a year of this. So, sure. and and they're best mates to this day. They're yeah. doing the podcast together. I wait. Didn't they get on stage together at the Oscars? They did, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, yeah. So even though the Oscar wasn't for Roger Avery, you don't get a, you don't get a story. Like, you can go up because it's just best screenplay, isn't it? But so. he, there was one Oscar on stage. There wasn't two. There was just one for Tarantino. Yeah. So Roger Avery didn't pick up an Oscar. He went on stage anyway just to say, I saw, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get, up, get, up, get off the stage, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Amsterdam, he wrote this book, uh, this movie on a dozen uh, school notes books uh you read this article vicky because you mm. point in the direction how do you feel about linda chen linda chen was robert town's assistant who became <laughs> uh quentin tarantino's typist and quite a big part of the making of this movie yeah um and her job was to sort it out yeah makes sense <laughs> makes sense of what i've written she she says his handwriting is atrocious he's a functional illiterate i was averaging <laughs> i was averaging about nine thousand grammatical errors per page after i would correct him he would try to put back in the errors because he liked them <laughs> oh, god that's just made me livid for her you apostrophe king oh hold on I, I, I didn't know if i was gonna say it or not <laughs> oh, oh, yeah do you know why because you're a nice human being <laughs> under all that she did it all that she did it. alpha maleness she did it you're a nice person vicky on the other hand seems seems almost yeah, excited at the opportunity to call me out about my bad use of apostrophe and spell bad. check and spell check it's, mate just use spell check it's an overuse you're addicted to spell them. check doesn't spell check apostrophe no yeah, because your brain does it, it does your, your own brain does whatever, it whatever whatever <laughs>
Whatever, mate. Whatever. We've become your Linda Chens. Yeah, and that's you know, a horrible you know, position to be do in. Do you know when I read your script? I literally, I, the, I had to read it twice because the first time I just looked through the whole thing looking for one fucking mistakenly used apostrophe and, just so I could and, forever go there. And no, she went over it, didn't she? Out of respect to you. I found one in yours. I'm so What's sorry the one? there is one. I checked the fucking thing twice. I'm sorry, oh, no. babe. All right, sorry. this is for the pub. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't sure if Linda Chen would lead to this. I thought it might, if I'm honest. Um, so Danny DeVito came on board as producer through this production company, uh, Jersey Films. Uh, Tristad first dibs on it, but they passed. And then... Oh did they? Wonder? I love the word they used. I'm going to mention it on Thursday. They called the script demented. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. Um, Harvey Weinstein got hold of the script. Um, he got upset with them killing off Vincent Vega, uh, but before he finished it, he told his people to start negotiating. Is that in the same article? Am I getting confused where one agent sent it back to one of Quentin Tarantino's reps was swearing in the rejection letter? Because they were so upset about the use of language. Yeah, there is a rejection and they said, letter. How, how fucking dare you send yeah. me this fucking piece of shit? Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Wait, hilarious. Because they, they, they were complaining about the language, yeah. and their response was... Yeah, they were trying to highlight that you shouldn't yes, say it too it many joke. times. It was right. a joke. But when you read the rejection letter, if you got that, it, it's really powerful. You'd be so upset because it's, it's scary if to you were spoken Tarant- to. Tarant- like Tarant- Tarantino is fucking care. bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. I have to swear, Alex. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, casting. Uh, Harvey Weinstein wanted Daniel Day-Lewis, Sean Penn... Or William Hurt. Daniel Day Lewis. I know, right? <laughs> he Mad, was he it? was the front runner. He was the front runner. Except we you laugh because I read that and I was like, Daniel Day Lewis, a bit like, like that, you. Yeah. yeah. Except that it's Daniel Day Lewis, and you know full well that he would have done it. Like he, he would have been yeah. great. He, he would have transformed. He played a gangster in Gangs of New York. Yeah. yeah. He can do anything. So but uh, our man, Quentin Tarantino, wanted Michael Madsen, uh, <laughs> who couldn't play Vincent due to Wyatt Earp. Yeah. But also he played I don't understand he, how it would have... He, he would play his own brother? He basically... Well, no, because he would have been the same character, I think, is what it would have been. Mm. But, or, or they'd have been twins. Either way, I heard that he actually turned it down. Tarantino asked him and he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do Wyatt Earp instead. Which, to be honest, looked like the Shaw Bear at the time. Yeah, of course. Sure, but like when you look back, I mean... Like I get anxiety about ordering badly in a restaurant. Mm. So how must you feel like by going, wow, I could have been in Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Yeah. Madsen's done all right out of Quentin Tarantino. Species as well, of course. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair. So, I've se- seen that more than Pulp Fiction. Because it's better. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it actually is. Yeah, it's the way it is. The dialogue's better. <laughs> True. <laughs> so when he couldn't get Madsen, he went after Travolta. Um he met with him and they played John Travolta board games all night. What? Uh, what? What? Uh, what? Uh, oh, d- d- you know, there's apostrophe missing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny. Thank you. Oh, uh, <laughs> it would be if they weren't. They were John Travolta themed board games. Oh, okay. Yep, okay. All right. So, Quentin Tarantino's a collection. Ruin the fun. <laughs> Well, because I'm right. John uh, Quentin Tarantino owns uh, board games themed after John Travolta movies and TV shows. Right. He invited him over to his house to play them together. <laughs> of course. Uh, and over the course of the evening, apparently Tarantino told him how disappointed he'd been with his recent career choices. Nice. And said, "I want to repair you." Ah. Yeah. I mean, that is that's not a big swing. That is, <laughs> yeah. he had just made "Look Who's Talking Now," a, a movie that didn't even make half back its twenty million dollar budget. Uh, Travolta said it hurt a bit. Yeah. Uh, but he liked Tarantino. <laughs> 
Tarantino uh, and Tarantino pitched him from dusk till dawn. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Pulp Fiction in passing. Travolta said, I'm not into vampires. It ain't my thing. And so a deal was done for, for Tarantino to start in Pulp Fiction. Um, Willis wanted in. Bruce Willis wanted in having seen Reservoir Dogs. He called Quentin Tarantino the modern Charles Dickens. Uh, He wanted to play Vincent, was told he couldn't, um, so Butch was the next best thing. Uh, But that had been promised to Matt Dillon. Mm -hmm. But when Matt Dillon said he needed to sleep on it rather than decide there and then if he was going to play the role, uh, Tarantino basically told him to bugger off. Mm. And uh, Bruce Willis was in. I mean, they all took, like, reduced rates to be in this movie. Like, John Travolta apparently was just, like, 100 grand or, or whatever. Bruce Willis as well took, like, 100 grand, but Bruce Willis was the only one who got a percentage of the gross oh. as well. He, he, took the, he took the same rate, mm-hmm. but he got a percentage. So I think he ended up making, like, several million from this. Yeah. I've got a section on money coming up oh. that, that, that contradicts that. Of course you want it. This is, this is exactly your ballpark. You're like, a conversation about contracts and money? Yeah. Well, in terms of money, when they got Bruce Willis on board, they immediately sold the foreign rights, so they were already quids in. Uh, Uma Thurman was the only actress that Quentin Tarantino met with for Mia, um, although she initially turned it down because she didn't like the gimp stuff. Oh. Yeah, I saw her saying that. It yeah. just made her uncomfortable. Okay. Because uh, Lawrence Fishburne turned down a role as well because he didn't like the fact it glamorised heroin. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson had already auditioned for Reservoir Dogs, didn't get that part, and he nearly lost uh, this role to a Puerto Rican actor called Paul Calderon. Uh, they both auditioned on the same day, but Jackson walked in with such an attitude, he basically was Jules, job done. I mean, if he walked in with that attitude, you couldn't let him do whatever he wants, Imagine aren't you? him not being in it. That's bananas, isn't it? Like, yeah. He's... Paul Calderon is in uh, Pulp Fiction, though. The who guy who it? didn't... Oh, well, yeah. I'll tell you oh, yeah. we get there. Yeah. Imagine Samuel L. Jackson not winning Best Supporting Actor and what the look might be on his face when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, but they said they weren't sure how the movie was going to end until uh, Jackson did the scene, that finale scene, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's definitely got to be the finale of this yeah. movie. What, the speech in the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I don't know if that... This is Samuel L. Jackson saying that, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Samuel, um, that's, not, <laughs> that's not right. Uh, and then I've just got some boring stuff about pay. Let's just get into the film, I reckon. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> don't pretend you're not annoyed. You can tell me later. <laughs> well, I mean, the only funny thing out of that is basically John Travolta said he had to pay to be in the movie. Right. Because the money he was getting was less than his hotel bill that he was paying. Oh, poor him. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to take a break and then we'll get into the movie. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, were you talking to me? <laughs> Is it your first day? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, 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 are we? Okay. Can you let me know when we can start the second bit? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, please go ahead. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's fly through this. Prologue, the diner. Uh, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny are arguing in the diner. So Tim Roth introduced Amanda Plummer to Quentin Tarantino at the Fisher King premiere. And Tim Roth said to Quentin Tarantino, write roles for us where we play a couple and where Amanda holds a very big gun. That's how we ended up with these characters, (laughs) which I think is lovely. Because he said that Amanda's so crazy that the idea of a gun in her hands is just tension will come from that, which it does. We need to do more Tim Roth movies. Because I started watching this, I'm like, oh, my God. 
how good it's is really he good. in this movie? Yeah. And I think the only other movie we've done is The Incredible Hulk with Tim Roth in, in which he is very, very bad. I've forgotten who he was. He's that? the abomination. Oh, yeah! <laughs> no, don't describe the character. <laughs> who did he play? Oh, yeah. How old? Yeah. Wait, the, Anne. I can't even do that either. Apostrophes. <laughs> My grammar's fucked. Uh, we get our first monologue from him. He's discussing the pros and cons of robbing a bank. First bit of racism. Yeah. Uh, he's racist about Vietnamese people, Koreans who can't speak English. Uh, he uses a very horrible word. Um... So obviously we're going to talk about this as we go through the film, but it's, I don't know, it's weird. We're supposed to like this guy, aren't we? Well, this is my theory. So the first time you see it, you don't know that he isn't going to meet a bad end. So you think, oh, and Tim Roth is such a good actor that you're like, oh, you're a racist robber. Cool, okay, you can write that character. You can be a racist robber. I wonder what will happen to you. You must get your comeuppance because you're a racist robber. Then by the time you get to the end of the film, you've kind of forgotten about him and, you know, because his part becomes quite minor. And now you're watching it, Knowing he doesn't get his comeuppance, that's what for me makes it more uncomfortable. Yeah. It's you, like you wait, get kind of rewarded. Are you meant to? You, you're saying you're meant to like this character? I don't get that at all. I don't like him. I just I said that. Like I just him. said I quite like him. Oh. Apart from, if you pulled out those racist things, I think he's quite yeah. good fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah. He'd be a laugh. But it's just... <laughs> are, you yeah. lonely? are you lonely? <laughs> you want to hang out with that kind of character? Pumpkin and Honey Bunny? Mm. Okay. I mean, all right. I love you, Pumpkin. I love you, Honey Bunny. I mean, we know these lines so well because of that soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. You know, you kick off the soundtrack. This is the first thing that plays, I think. Yeah, I've got goosebumps. Any of you fucking bitches move on excuse Dick Dale and the Deltos. She's so good, And the point is, you've got to try and go back in time and think, what was it like seeing... Remember what it's like seeing this for the first time because it's such a shock that those words come out of that woman's mouth. It's so audacious. <laughs> it grabs you by the throat. <clears throat> and it, and also, it sets the tone for the entire movie. And it makes you think that they're a good couple because he gives her space to express her rage. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I did think that. I always think that they're a good couple. Would you like us to do that for you more? I, th- I think you do let me do that, if I'm honest. Okay, yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah, I mean, I, listening to um, the Richard Curtis podcast, yeah. Yeah. you definitely express some rage. Yeah, well, I did. That yeah. was fear on my part, though. Rather, mm. than, rather than giving you space, I was just scared for a, for an <laughs> what, hour. Were you more and a scared half? by the rage or at the end where she said, "I love this film"? Yeah. <laughs> what? Just, so confusing. Are you all right? It's just like <laughs> just, I was like, I'm with a mad person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, break. <laughs> so freeze frame. The music, the title, the song changes because we listen to the radio. So mm. it's that diegetic thing that they did in Reservoir Dogs, and bang, we're into the movie. Uh, the next section: prelude to Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife so vincent and jules are sitting in the car uh their suits look great their hair looks terrible um but it's undeniable that it's a look Mm. well he was meant to samuel jackson's character jules was meant to have a massive afro originally but uh, they brought a uh apparently she didn't know what an afro was yeah so that's how he ended up with that hair who didn't know what an afro was Uh, the assistant the assistant who was sent out to get the wig oh okay and tarantino said no way i don't want the jerry curl and samuel jackson said we i'm wearing that (laughs) And as we've learned, you don't mess with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he basically wrote the end of the film. <laughs> um, as for the uh, the look of Tar- uh, Travolta's character, he said he wanted an extreme image uh, and the hair. He said, "I want a Euro cut, a Euro haircut, which is sometimes Euro trash and sometimes elegant." Tarantino was hesitant, and I said, "Please at least look at me in this." I got the extensions, and I worked on the do. I put my best first forward on the test, and it killed it. And yeah, it's just very memorable. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I mean, this scene is very memorable. This is this this is the moment. Forget the the, the Tim Roth there, Amanda Plummer moment. This, this is where you go. I'm watching something I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah, mm. I agree. 
And the, sim- the simple, so they're talking about weed, the Royal with cheese, oh. Burger King, mayonnaise on fries. What it is, is that we're watching two killers go to kill someone and they're having a conversation as if they're two office workers yeah. carpooling to work. It's the, mu- the mundane smashed with not high concept, but like yeah. elevated. Yep. And if you look at the, no, I, this is just my thing. I think you can pull a lineage from that to like Marvel movies and, and even like the sort of cheeky like DC things where it's like mm. superheroes, gods, whatever, chatting about shit. Yep. And right. that's the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Marvel, like the whole thing at the end of uh, Avengers, the first one where he's like, should we go for a shawarma? What's yeah. a shawarma? All yep. of that. Well, it was the moment they cast Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I guess it's good. It's good. Um, so Quentin Tarantino, uh, he said he was surprised at how funny John Travolta was making the lines with his weird delivery and he didn't realise he'd made such a comedy. Mm. And it is a strange way that Travolta's talking and delivering his lines. They're both sort of doing a bit of shtick, aren't they? Mm. Even, even the way Jackson says Royale with cheese is like he's elongating it and having fun with it. Big kahuna burger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then we get the first, oh no, it's probably not the first, but we got the shot from the trunk of the car pointing up at them as they grab their guns, which is so iconic in mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino films. Uh, foot massage. Mm. Is that an overreaction? Uh, Vicky, is oral sex in the same ballpark as a foot massage? <laughs> I mean, I think it might be because when he was... I don't know. Like, first of all, just to get my thoughts... Wow. In mm-hmm. Either someone's doing oral sex wrong or someone's <laughs> doing the foot massage right. Nasty, nasty, nasty. So I think... She made a face listen. <laughs> I, th- I just couldn't I... work out what it was though. <laughs> it looked to me like she was lost in the last foot massage. Yeah. Yep. So Quentin Tarantino has managed to sneak his foot fetish in. Here we go. Oh God, that's not what for I the. Hate. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. But he's done it in a in a way like let's get meta, which works because I think the content of what the two men are saying has as a valid point. Like, is a foot massage in that same? I ballpark. agree. So this is the first foot. Um, mention yeah. in a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, it seems fine at this point. It does. It seems we normal. Don't, we don't yeah. know what's coming, so it's nice that we can put this now in context. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's now creepy when you see it yeah. now. You just yeah. like, stop banging oh, on yeah. about it. I've got more to say later on yeah. about this. But I do. Yeah, I think maybe he's got a point. I mean, I don't know if it's a sport. Like, oh, I've injured my foot. Can someone help me with a sports massage? You're fine. What are you talking, when have you done sport? What? <laughs> Well, you... I've bought a resistance band. Have I told you that? I know you always say people can be more than one thing, but you can <laughs> never be, be a sports you person. You can't be an athlete. Yeah. Um, so the pair of them walk down to the end of a corridor and we stay at a distance. It sort of turns us into voyeurs, but I also feel like it's reminding us this is a camera that we're not with these people we're watching them oh, yeah. because also the next thing they say is come on let's get into character yes now that's something these characters might say mm-hmm. but also i feel like it's tarantino telling us this is a performance this is heightened reality this is a movie which is i think something he does constantly through pulp fiction mm-hmm. which is again what makes it feel different to other films yep. you're constantly being told this is not people don't act like people act like in real life in this movie. No, of course. Um, so they enter the room. Uh, Marcellus's business partners are there. He, uh, Brett's eating a big kahuna burger. Mm. Again, we're, we're, we're in this world where he's made up uh, different items, isn't he? There's food and cigarettes, and this is all in the... As we'll come to realise, this is all part of the Quentin Tarantino shared universe. Yeah. 
check out the big brain on Brett. <laughs> That's something that I think all the time. When someone say, when one of you is clever, I think that in my head. Um, but then Samuel L. Jackson, Jules, switches in a second from friendly to utterly terrifying. Yeah. And it is, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. As you say, yeah, you can't imagine this film with anyone else in that no, role. No, not at all. And the first time you see that, you cannot believe what you're seeing. Because of the dialogue, obviously, but the mm. delivery and everything. And then... The tension. The tension you feel when you're watching it. Well, only because, for me, Samuel L. Jackson... Sorry. Um, Jules is giving a performance because he's rattling off all the Ezekiel stuff. And, and it's such a bold move later on in the diner when he undercuts it by he says, I just thought that was, was some yeah, cold-blooded yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. That is so brave to write it. You'd write that and you'd be like, that's fucking awesome. And then you make your character later go, it's actually bollocks. Like, that's yeah. brilliant. But... If they're going to kill all the boys anyway, you don't need... If you if your job is hitman, go in and sort that out, get the case, go in and kill them and get the case and then leave. And you're much less likely to get caught that way. But he mm. wants to give this big speech. So the first time you see it, you think, because of all the films like that you've seen before, you're giving a big speech because you're going to leave one of them alive to go and tell the others not to fuck with their boss. So you're expecting maybe Brett to make it and then he doesn't. That's the tension. Mm. I never thought of that. That's absolutely true. Well done. Uh, they open the briefcase uh, the combination 666 Uh, there's a golden light that comes out of it that we can't see what's inside but it temporarily mesmerises Vincent are we talking about what's in the briefcase now or do you want to do it later what's in the briefcase I don't know we don't know (laughs) I mean like I know it was looks like gold (laughs) is Is it it gold gold? it's gold (laughs) it has since been poo pooed by a lot of people but I I only remember this at school because this was the rumour that went round at school that it's Marcellus Wallace's soul it's in the briefcase and that's why that's it's fun. so important <laughs> mm. and it's the 666 combination and it's the like the tim roth going is that what i think it is the added weight to that is the plaster on the back of marcellus oh, yeah! Wallace's neck <laughs> which is classically in myth and legend if your soul is sucked out of your body it's mm-hmm. done through the back of your neck cool so that a lot of people i think tarantino himself there's that video where he's talking to robert rodriguez where they do that funny funny thing where robert rodriguez goes so what's in the briefcase and it cuts and it goes real missing and and then Robert Rodriguez comes back and goes, that totally changes the meaning of Pulp Fiction. So <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read somewhere it was rock and roll. Okay. That makes no sense either. It's gold. <laughs> it's not. It's, more, it's, it's a much better movie if it's its own. But obviously this is a grab back, pick a mix of all these other things that he likes of other films and stories. What it did do for me as whatever I was 16 when this came out was go and find these films. So this is obviously a steal from Kiss Me Deadly with the case. Made me go and watch Kiss Me Deadly. And that's what is great about Tarantino, I think. He's stealing stuff, but he's sort of sending you in different directions uh, as a film fan. Uh, Brett apologises. Jewel shoots his friends. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, you got the easy kill. Um, easy kill 2517. Uh, the path of the righteous man speech. Incredible. Gunshots and we're out. To Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife. Uh, Butch bathed in red light listening to Marcellus talk as Let's Stay Together plays. Long time to hang on your actor. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's yeah. stuff we're not used to seeing. If you've got Bruce Willis yeah. and you've got that face, you hang on that face. And it was for a bargain, right? Yeah, yeah. but he does so little and so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, you see the plaster on the back of Marcellus Wallace's head. Where his soul came out. Uh, out. That was Ving Reeves' own plaster. He'd hurt the back of his head, so it wasn't in the script. So it's not Marcellus Wallace's. That was Vic Reeves' plaster that Ving Reeves borrowed. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. That's about it. I didn't know. Quentin Tarantino was a huge fan of Big Night Out. It's Bob Bob Moyman's head in the case. Um, Can you imagine? Tim Roth would recognise him. Sad ending, though. Um, He's telling him he's got two fights left in him. 
It's why he's got to be realistic and take a dive. Uh, Vincent and Jules show up. They're wearing shorts and T-shirts and flip-flops now. We don't know why. Why? 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 <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> uh, Butch gets some red apple cigarettes at the bar from the guy... Oh, nearly played Jules. Oh, nice. Paul Calderon, yeah. Who actually, if you look at his CV from this time, you can see why he would have cast him. He was in some awesome cult films, playing gangsters, playing scary men. And so you could see why it would have worked. And it's the bit where you see him after Butch has thrown the fight and you see, you realise Paul's not just a barman, he's like, he's also one of his henchmen. Mm-hmm. The way he walks down the <clears throat> corridor in that moment where he oh, is yeah. all suited and booted and ready for action, you're like, yeah, you could have been Jules. Oh, oh yeah. I hadn't realised that mm-hmm. was him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Just keep saying new things. Uh, Butch falls out with Vincent. They stare at each other. Uh, Why? Yeah. Just is, are we to presume that he, he knows that he knows Butch is a fighter and doesn't like him? I well, thought he knew he was going to throw it, and he was. He thought that was shameful. Right. Also, the, also, this is a film about fate and destiny. I think Bruce Willis said somehow these men know that the other one is dangerous to him. <coughs> right. Like they've just got a sixth sense, Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, that something bad is going to happen with this dude if I'm not careful. Mm. And I think that's, a, that's another way of looking at it because obviously there's a lot we can read into this film about what it actually means and what it's about. Uh, Vincent goes by his heroine off Lance. Uh, casual racism here from Lance uh, using the N-word the first of many times. I, when I was little, I didn't think it was heroin because I was I quite naive and I thought heroin was brown. Right. So it always confused me for a bit because I must, I must have been really young that uh, Mia overdoses is on it. So I was like, but you take coke, so what's, what's the big deal? Right. Because I just, I'm not used to seeing white but heroin. you knew oh, enough oh, to know oh, heroin oh, was brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, say the Stranglers song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Say, say something disparaging as you normally do about Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, some fucker keyed Vincent's car. I hate this bit. What is it that idea? I think so it's Butch. Mark, like Mark I think Parsons it's Butch. is a big fan of this scene. I was like, this, the, the one bit of dialogue I hate where he's like, don't fuck with another man's automobile. It's like, ugh, it just doesn't quite, it's like someone pretending to be Quentin Tarantino. I don't like it. Mm. But then Mark Parsons, who now featuring on this show, was like, it's just dealer chat. Yeah, no, this is this is his words. <laughs> right. It's just dealer chat. Like when you're with your drug dealer, you don't really know what to talk about. And so you just talk shit, don't you? And I thought like, you were at home with the kids, Mark. When are you with the drug dealer? <laughs> but he, but uh, do you think though, like, or do you think it's well, this is, fine? This is one of the scenes where there was a, a conversation cut which I've watched and Eric, Eric Stoltz monologuing about trying to get directions at a gas station and getting lost because the guy at the gas station purposely gave him incorrect directions and it's them debating what's worse um, keying another man's car or giving um, someone incorrect directions right. so there was a bit more to it and it wasn't just about that okay maybe um, but he, no he cut that so he obviously didn't think it was worth including mm. but yeah do you think it was Butch? I mean, I, d- I don't know. I never really understood the point of this conversation about the keying of the car. I thought it was going to come back. I thought, you know, if you're in a, a movie which is messing with the narrative, you're like, oh, and then earlier, later, we're going to see exactly what that bit's about. And well, it's it was just Butch then. Fine. Uh, he shoots up there in slow motion. I guess this is the sex scene yeah. in Pulp Fiction because it's shot in a way that is sort of slow, slow motion and the music's kind of sexy and then the next shot is Travolta in the car looking post-coital, <laughs> yeah. smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Um, Reminds me, and that's the first time we've seen Tarantino doing that thing with a car. 
you know, the thing that's in Kill Bill a lot, you know, that sort of fake background, oh, the old-fashioned yeah, yeah, yeah. car scenes. Yeah. Again, though, it's rear screen projection. It's that's black right, and white, man. the footage behind him. Mm-hmm. Again, it feels like it's telling us we're watching a movie. Hmm? And it's even... We're, we're, I'm telling you that I'm I'm harking <laughs> back to the films of the 40s that this is based on. Hmm. Uh, an interesting quote is from Travolta, who uh, says he hadn't done heroin. Um, he was told by uh, a former addict that... The, how you should act is to like you've drunk as much tequila as you can and you're lying in a warm pool or tub of water. As our resident tequila expert, Alex, have you ever done that and does that feel nice? No. I, I, I'm, I Listen, I'm not going to disagree with the former addict, but if that is really what heroin feels like, I'm even less inclined. <laughs> I mean, that sounds awful. <laughs> Up is not down as man. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's how he's apparent. That's what is influencing his performance here. That's okay. how he's behaving because he shows up at Mia's house, super high, enters the apartment confused, a son of a preacher man plays. Uh, Mia speaks to him via intercom. Uh, we only see the back of her head there. I just think he's really funny here. Just off his head. Well, I mean, yeah. that's been that's been mean. Mean to hell. Mean to high heaven. To hell, yeah, that yeah. Whole like back and forth thing. Yeah. But this yeah, is the first really time good. I've seen it since it became a meme. Right. I, I don't think I'd realised how funny it was <laughs> watching it. I'm like, I was paying more attention. I was like, just just the way he's making the drink, and he's just confused about where he's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's when he leans into the thing, goes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best bit. (laughs) Uh, Mia shows up with bare feet. Of course she does. The first of many. Beautiful feet, in fairness. She does. You're not going to get better than that. Do you really think so? I think they're really, really gorgeous. We've got to allow it here, though, haven't we? Because we've. It's her house. (laughs) No, but all (laughs) all we've heard about her is she likes a foot massage. So she's yes. introduced via her feet. Yes. So I think Tarantino is allowed to do it here. Okay. Again, because we don't know what's to come in the next few films. And yeah. it's like, oh, no, I'm going to be <laughs> sick. It must be quite creepy when he's directing an actress now. I can't and he, stop and he thinking says, about Salma says, Hayek. I can't it, stop thinking about it. Like the in the bar in oh, the yeah, still doors. Oh, sucks her toe. And like, she, was a... she ever like, why is this in here? And he's like, because I say so. <laughs> Mar- Margot. Take your sh- Margot, take your shoes off. <laughs> take them off, Margot. Take them off now. <laughs> but Margot, Robbie, I don't have to do this. I don't want to. I'm, I'm Quentin Tarantino. So you <laughs> take <laughs> them off. I'll and re- let's, I'll let's dirty I'll them up. cut the whole fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a cut scene here that I watched. It's quite a long scene. It's quite interesting. It's Mia shows up with a high eight camera and films uh, Vincent in black and white while asking him questions. He said he wrote that five years before Tarantino did, and then thanks to Sex, Lies and Videotape yeah. and a bunch of other films, it became such a cliche to yeah. be talking through a camera. He had to pull it out. And also, he said, it's funny, something you said earlier, he said it, it felt like someone trying to write my dialogue rather than me. And the big conversation is, are you... She, she, she gives him a bunch of and-ors uh, and they've got to pick. So are you a Beatles man or an Elvis man? Brady Brunch or Partridge family? Um, one bit of trivia that's interesting here is, is she it? says to him, Vincent Vega is that like Susan Vega and he says well actually she's my cousin so Vincent Vega's related to Suzanne Vega of Tom's Diner fame yeah annoying song <laughs> um, they pull up to Jack Rabbit Slims uh, she looks very cool in the clothes with the bob yes, doesn't she, she this does. is a good look it's a yeah. good restaurant I wish I could eat there Ed Sullivan greets them Zorro's there James Dean the Rat Pack Ricky Nelson singing Vincent walks around the whole place for no reason really but it's just so we can see this set that they spent all that money on and it works uh, and then Buddy Holly serves them in a convertible car played by Steve Buscemi not the car Buddy Holly is it? Uh, I didn't know that yeah. I didn't see that um 
Travolta said a funny thing about this. He said, I enjoyed the irony of being the only actual icon surrounded by people dressed as icons. Is he making a joke? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to be fair, he is. He shouldn't say himself, but he is an yeah. icon. Okay. And he said it was strange. Yeah, but again, you made the po- exactly that. Just let someone else say it. Um, now we're going to take a journey to Inflation Corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So, Mia orders. Yeah. A $5 shave. Wait, I need to do it in my head because I know what the rate of inflation is. Which enrages you. our man. It enrages him. This is 30 years ago, $5. It's just give me a second. Keep talking. Um, and then but then he tries it and actually says it ends up being pretty fucking good yeah. so yeah. it's a good $5 shake would you I, the bit where he says is there any alcohol in there is the bourbon in it or something I'm like that would make it a better shake yeah I mean I've, I've, well, never, I've never had an alcoholic milkshake have you yeah not for me really I'd rather have alcohol or a milkshake I not don't like think a, it's it, not like a flavoured it's, flavory it's like that one, what's that drink that you Russian. like white Russian yeah, yeah it's like a white Russian which right. you know I think everyone drank when they were like 16 and then you're like what am I doing to my yeah, stomach. Well, got, and that's coming from a guy who loves the Big Lebowski. Yeah. No. Oh, shit. Oh, She's no. still going. Why, why? She's, got, she's got her shoes off $4. and she's counting her toes. <laughs> and Tarantino's loving it. More. It's $5 more. It's a $13, $5, $8 shake. It's a $13 All right, shake. that is expensive. Yeah. It's quite expensive. Yeah. 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 At the yeah. rate of... At the, Especially if you're just in a diner in LA, that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, I guess Jackrabbit Sims is just meant to be like a TGI Fridays or something, yeah? Yeah, 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 all right. Uh, She talks about her pilot, Fox Force 5, uh, where Mia played uh, a foxy chick who was a force to be reckoned with. There was a blonde one, a Japanese one, a black one, a French one. Her speciality was knives. It's the Viper Squad from Kill Bill! (laughs) (laughs) You gotta love this! Sure. Um... She heads off for cocaine in the loo and then she comes back and wants a big burger. It's a very weird moment. And uh, mm. yeah, you're like, what on earth? I think famously it's a suppressant. Yeah. It's the drug that's Moorish, not food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, just I mean, it. she's straight in there as well. It's not like. Yeah. yeah I'm just, I, I was sort of waiting for her to push the plate yeah, away and like. What? Sugar <laughs> the... Who ordered that? <laughs> Twist contest. Uh, they take their shoes off. Yes, no, I don't think you need to take your shoes off for the dance I think that is a red card for the foot thing here but he does get up on his toes would yeah, he be able he to looks, do that if he, he didn't good. if he had shoes on I don't know um, I remember everyone talking about this dance like this was amazing just this dance scene I watched it this time I was like yeah it's alright it's weird well, she, because she's they're good. not yeah they're not trying to be they're not doing that thing which the story's meant to do which is like oh we shouldn't sleep with each other we probably will so in the dance we have to try not to be attracted to each other they're just trying to win a dance but this is how okay the dance was as opposed to impressive that I watched it and I was like at the end I was like did they get the trophy because they know she's Marcellus Wallace's wife I think so right okay yeah. but I mean she's good when she dances but I do it's just nice watching him dance it because really it's is, so yeah. effortless yeah. and it's so cool <clears throat> even though he's doing the least cool dance moves the Batman the Hitchhiker <laughs> the Swim the Twist what? These are not are cool. Did you know those or did you look them up? Um, well, I know the Batman, also known as the Hutuzi, because it's from the 66 series. Right. But the swim is just doing that stuff. Okay. Sorry, you can't hear it, but I'm sort of pretending to drown. And then the hitchhiker, <laughs> the hitchhiker is putting your thumb up. <laughs> you, know, you know, questions you wish you hadn't asked. <laughs> you know, I can't unsee that. I liked it. I didn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it puts a smile on my face and then it fades out. 
Um, and they head home and they're still dancing. So they've made that special connection through dance rather than anything more. How, how do you think this night would have ended without the overdose that's about to happen? I think he would have gone home. Do you think? Because he's do, telling yeah. himself to go home. Yeah. But we don't know if he actually would have. Because she would have, like... she would have made the moves when he came back out. Yes. But he comes out. You like, already saying, I'm going. He's going. I'm yeah. going. He's not even staying for the drink. He said, don't be rude. Stay for one drink. He's mm. out because he knows. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> Mia's snorted the heroin. She's been dancing to Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. This soundtrack is brilliant at combining old and new, isn't it? Um, and she's down uh, uh, for the count. So, um, because we all know the worst thing than having sex with someone's wife is killing them. <laughs> so I believe. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Uh, takes it to Lance. Uh, I hadn't noticed this before. There's an operation board game in the foreground. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, while Mia's dying in the background. Uh, The panic here is so brilliantly designed and shot. The camera's sort of pinballing around, like how I imagine Quentin Tarantino's brain works. Yeah. Because we're just sort of, everyone's shouting, we're all over the place, there's stress, there's panic, there's the horror of what's to happen. The syringe is so large, isn't it? It's it's comically... To to do a callback to my things you can't do now... Is it called Naxalone, Naloxalone, Naxalone, the shot? No. If you're a self-respecting drug dealer, you've got plenty of that knocking around. So you don't need to do that these days. If someone orders, you can just bring them back. you still got to go in like that, but you don't have to like go in like that. Okay. So that's ruined now. That wouldn't right. happen now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Also, contactless ruins the restaurant scene earlier. I don't like this. <laughs> that's it. But that's it. I, I've got I, nothing more. I prefer Inflation Corner, which is weird because <laughs> I don't like that. But also, I mean, it's a, it's a made-up thing, isn't it? An adrenaline shot to your heart isn't going to bring you back from a heroin overdose. I've no idea. But I, what, then what is Naxalone, then, if it's not adrenaline? Probably something that would help. Maybe, maybe it's a drug that helps. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's medicine. I think it's just him having a, like, what would what sounds cool here? I think what he does with this scene is balance <clears throat> humour with absolute utter tension yeah. perfectly. The shock. The shock of this entire sequence the yeah. first time you watch it. Uh, he stabs through the breastplate uh, like, uh, after a count of three, and then he hits her and she explodes back into life. Uh, this is the scene where someone fainted at the opening night of this film that New York film festival and um when asked about it tarantino said this movie fucking works it's like it's too intense for human beings <laughs> um sorry <laughs> let uh, someone else say it they won't say that though it's afterwards, not good but <laughs> travolta's not gonna say it. um afterwards they found out the guy just had low sugar level yeah 100%. <laughs> it's just a fucking coincidence I mean, you know i'm like a, I, it was a combination i think there'd be a plant like that's what you're gonna do of course it? you would just yeah get a plant in oh my god this is a harvey weinstein film let's not forget like it would not be past him to be like get pace and want to hit the deck yeah. uh prelude to the gold watch so this is the four minute scene pretty much four minutes of unbroken dialogue where christopher walken <laughs> describes the story of the wristwatch that belonged to butch's great-grandfather uh shot from below we've got the kid pov um and we're told that yeah this watch spent approximately seven years inside assholes mm. Oh, it's such a good scene. It's great. It's very, very good. Yeah. It's so good. And, and it's it so still impo- funny. It's still funny. It's so brilliantly acted. Yeah. It's because it's so important. It's so important. You think he's just having a laugh, but then you realise, no, the whole next section doesn't work yeah. if we don't appreciate the importance of the watch. But still, you can still get a joke in. Like, you could yeah. just be like, oh, I won't take the risk because it is so important. So why fuck around? And but the, he, and, he did, he and did the, it. And the humour of just like, it's, it's it works on so many levels, but it's like, it's the idea of like, because I, I, I take it as like, this is a military man who just doesn't see a child there he sees no, just a, another yeah, yeah. another human being so yeah. he's not he's just going to tell, tell it like it is straight, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so it's not a watch a watch it's actually his birthright so um 
Walkin said it was hard doing that shot. Uh, it took a whole day, and he said you get a little dry. I find that what helps is Tabasco on a bite of lemon. <laughs> so just in case you're ever feeling a little and dry. Yeah, I love that. Tequila? <laughs> Did he forget yeah. the drink? <laughs> then we're into the gold watch, and it's time uh, uh, for Butch to fight. Like Reservoir Dogs, we don't see the fight. Um, it's apparently brutal and bloody. Uh, Butch doesn't take a dive. He kills his opponent. Mm. Um, jumps out of a window, gets into a cab. Uh, the driver is beautiful and not wearing shoes. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, best way to drive. Uh, you'll be pleased to hear this was a much, much longer scene. I've watched the long, the long version of this taxi scene. Thank God. And he cut it. Apparently it was the best edited uh, scene him and Salimenke felt in the whole movie, but it just was going on too long. It, it still goes on too long. It, it's one of my least favourite moments in the whole movie. Yeah, uh, But we do learn that as soon as the word... Sorry, I forgot Fabienne's coming up. We're getting there. Uh, As soon as word got out on the fix, the odds went through the roof. So Butch has double-crossed Marcellus and he's made a fortune in the process. He's heading to Knoxville with Fabienne, uh, which is where Quentin Tino's from. That's why he picked that place. Um, We meet Fabienne. Uh, She's immediately talking about her pot belly. Um... And then the movie just sort of slows to a standstill. <laughs> what is... I, 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 don't, I just don't even understand their relationship. Well, it's meant to be, I think... I haven't read this. I'm just making it up. He's a tough guy and yes. she's a baby. So yes. it's like, you wouldn't put a woman like that with him. So it's showing... It's just to make you go, oh, OK, that's unusual and surprising. Right. It, it, um, we, we've been introduced to him as someone that's so brutal he's killed a man. And he doesn't care that he's killed him. That's no, doesn't thing, care. Like, doesn't give a, give a shit. shit. And now we're seeing that this silly woman yes. has tamed this beast yes you know and he, even when he loses his temper he, he backs off because he, he can't lose his temper with her and yeah. so that's what it's there for it's just not fun watching a pair of wallies talk sh- talking shit to it two cretins talking shit <laughs> I get enough of that doing this podcast <laughs> don't need it in my Tarantino movies <laughs> yeah that, I mean I literally wrote do not like this pot belly chat no yeah it's the, the pancakes bit that gets to me. Yeah. Mm. I know what I'm going to order. No one cares. And also, He's in a rush. Uh, as it turns out, I, I, I'm just like, she, she gets worse as well. I'm like, she's a fucking liability. She's a liability. It's just like, I mean, we're not there yet. And do you know what? Carry on. I'll, I'll come to it. There's a bit where I'm literally, it's the, I couldn't believe. I'm like, this is, a, this is Tarantino's alleged masterpiece. And I'm shouting at the screen. Yeah. I'm so angry. Yeah. Butch uh, goes to retrieve the watch from his house. We've got this tracking <laughs> shot following him through some back gardens. And this is sort of this LA that you don't normally see on film, which is, I think, one of the reasons Tarantino wanted to make this film. These rundown bits of the city that he grew up in mm. uh, that wouldn't normally show up in a film noir. Uh, he grabs the watch. He stops for a Pop-Tart. Why does he stop for a Pop-Tart? Is he peckish? Because she's been apparently, banging on about pancakes? Apparently, these, pop- these Pop-Tarts were big in LA at that time. I right. think it's a local... Pop tart, okay, and I think he just wanted to stick it in. But also, isn't as I, as I keep coming back to, it, is this film about fate? It's about if why did he stop for the pop tart? Because yeah. the pop tart is probably what saves his life. Otherwise, Vincent comes out maybe and kills him, or this is what gets Vincent killed. The pop tart, it is. Yeah, I think he would have been gone though if he didn't stop for breakfast. He would have been gone. He would never have seen Vincent. He would never have seen Marcellus, and he would have been long gone. It's stopping for the pop tarts. I thought it was a character note. Like he's quite, he's very cocky. So he's got his watch, and he's like, "I've beat the odds." It's a very cocky thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, So he hears the toilet flush. He sees Vincent. They stare at each other. The pop tarts bring, and Butch shoots the shit out of Vincent and leaves him dead in his bath. Uh, They're the two protagonists up to this point. 
Um, was he the one you wanted to survive? But I felt weirdly sad that Vince died. Mm. I still feel weirdly sad, even though he is a cold-blooded killer himself. We really like him. We really like mm. it. And he's a bit of an idiot, isn't he? Like he, you know, yeah. the way he acted on his night, he, he got hammered before he took his boss's wife out. Not a good yeah. idea. And he's a bit dopey, but he, he, you just feel sad when he's gone. I think. Yeah, and he, and he is gone. There's no way we're going to see him again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but do also- you not feel it ruins like? I, you go back to your synopsis at the top about doing it in narrative order like I, I can't enjoy the rest of the film with Vince knowing he's dead yeah like it spoils like the rest of this movie for me because I'm like but he's dead so it's it's like you know what to, to take it to extremes it's like the fact that they released Solo straight after The Force Awakens and you're like I literally just saw Han Solo die and now you want me to see him having a good time as a young swashbuckler <laughs> knocking around it's like don't do that no, I like I like it. I like it. I'll tell you why when we get there. Uh, but also, I guess, again, talking about fate, um, Jewel saw the light. Vincent disagreed with him. Yes. Jewel survives. Vincent doesn't. Yeah. You know, if maybe if, if Vincent had listened to Jules and um, took him on his word, he might still be alive. A pop song comes on the radio and Butch is grinning now because he does know what it feels like to kill a man mm. on purpose. And he liked it because <laughs> they keep underestimating him, don't they? Uh, Marcellus crosses the road in front of him by chance. He runs Marcellus over and then there's just chaos. They're both injured. Marcellus shoots some woman. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Why is that funny? Just because. Yeah. <laughs> Violence. Yeah. It's just so unexpected. It is a bit. Yeah, I don't like it, obviously. Of course you don't. Why not? Because it's just cruel. Like She's trying to help, and then he makes her silly. She's like, well, I've been shot! And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't die. Does she not? Well, maybe. I don't know. You don't know, do you? Everything she's is ridiculous got- here. I know, where, I, I know where she's been shot. She doesn't die. <laughs> The, the okay. fight is ridiculous. The chase is ridiculous. They make it into some second-hand gun store. Fight some more. Uh, the man behind the counter pulls a shotgun, uses the N-word. I think it's earned here. Sure. Um, and then knocks Butch out. They're both on the floor now, and he calls Zed. Spider just caught a couple of flags. Yeah, Zed, the actor who plays Zed. He like, looks like... Um, Peter Weller. Are you, who's that? Robocop. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I think he looks a bit like Peter Weller. He's got that very sculpted sort of. Yeah. No, I got him confused. I can't remember anyone's name. I got him confused with Buffalo Bill, but it's not Buffalo Bill, is it? I think he's very good. Wait, Tom Noonan? No. No, that's no. No, that's yeah, uh, they, that's they a all... two fairy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this what, is a nightmare. Yeah, fucking hell. Chris, sort us out, mate. Who? It doesn't matter. Don't really. Peter Green. Peter Green plays Zed, yes. and I think he's very good. He's I don't very get, good. I don't yeah. care who he looks like. I just think he comes in the film and he's <laughs> very. Like he was in this and Usual Suspects, and I don't feel like I saw him in a lot of others. Oh, he had some issues with drugs, right? And I think that sort of took his career off the rails somewhat. Right, yeah. uh, again, because of the soundtrack, you know the dialogue. Bring out the gimp, but the gimp sleeping. Then I guess you'll just have to wake him up now, won't you? <laughs> and honestly, trying to think back, like you just couldn't believe what you were watching the first time you see this because the gimp appears dressed head to toe in leather and he's out of his cage mm. uh, that I just I can't help but I, I've spent so long thinking about how that gimp survives in there and like if it's full of, covered in its own fucking feces like because it's in a box and in it a could, suit yeah, yeah and it's all zipped up and mm. it's just oh, it's so dark this uh, he does the uh, nursery rhyme using the n-word but it's it's this thing he does a lot in this film it's building the anticipation it sort of all slows down while we're waiting uh, the two of them are in this together but Marcellus gets taken to the back room horrible things happen to him while the gimp is laughing at Butch and in a very satisfying moment Butch breaks free and punches the gimp out um, mm-hmm. and he leaves he leaves he's gone but he can't he can't do it he turns back to help Marcellus he grabs a hammer 
baseball bat, this chainsaw. Feels, this is, feels like so, like it's a really weird moment because I feel like I've seen this scene in a hundred, like so much of this film I've never seen before. But the upgrading of a weapon <laughs> over and over again. I don't think this is the first time I've seen that. I think that is a really a really common trope. Yeah. Uh, give an example, or it never happened. Uh, just any video game. Xerxes. <laughs> <laughs> then Xerxes would have shaved your ass uh, he sails on a samurai sword and uh, he see, we see the assault happening down there and it's awful but Butch slices and stabs one of these guys puts the blade to Zed's neck uh, you want to go for that gun don't you Zed go ahead pick it up Dirty Harry moment. So uh, what? I don't. What, what is this scene? Is this two so two daft boys, Quentin Tarantino and, his, and Roger, trying to shock you? Or is there more to it? Is it, well, is it playing, like different types he's of He's paying homage and... to films he loves and Deliverance mm-hmm. is one of his top ten films. Yeah. He's doing his, his Deliverance um, scene is it off in his the, crime drama. Is it the white man rescues the black man in this scene? Because they do eeny, meeny, miny, more, so it could have been either one of them. Is that okay? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I'm asking. But Butch has wronged uh, 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 Marcellus. Marcellus yeah. Butch has wronged Marcellus. So it ha- like the whole characters would have to be reversed because he has to go back. Butch is the one who wants to get away from Marcellus. Yeah, but why can't yet... it be Butch in the room? Like, why does... Because then Marcellus would go in and still kill Butch as well because yes. it's like, because he's at, he's trying to... Butch isn't trying to kill Marcellus. Marcellus no. is trying to kill Butch Yeah, because Butch wronged him. It's not yeah. the other way around. I know. So it has to then be Butch. Who... Or the whole scene could be entirely different. Like, it's you're sitting there, you're like, we need a scene, we need to put these two men together. What are we going to do? Are we going to do that? Like, you don't need to do that. But like Chris just said, it's an homage to deliverance okay and all scenes can be entirely different yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so true <laughs> so true okay fair carry on I mean yeah you could ask the question which we've done many times well is this just there for shock's sake um, I don't know I find it a very entertaining sequence yeah um, I, you can't go back to the first time you watch it but man <laughs> this just sort of blows your head off but it could be completely different. <laughs> Think about it. Marcellus. <laughs> You've said some odd things this episode. Uh, Marcellus is going to get medieval on their ass. I love that turn of phrase. And he sends uh, Butch away. Butch has got to leave town, but he's not going to kill Butch. Mm-hmm. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Get on the bike. Oh, S- God. Stop. Stop standing there. Get on the bike. Get on the bike. I would have left her. I was literally... Every question she asks is reasonable are we in danger where's my car (laughs) whose bike is this I think she's fairly reasonable here she's annoying and the voice is annoying and the character's annoying and she's annoying when she bursts into tears the tears but the questions are fair she if you leave with my car and you come back on a yeah. bike, so she's like, "Where's my where's Honda? my car, <laughs> <laughs> sure. dude? Where's my car?" <laughs> yeah. It's just the tears. Like it's it's a not now love moment, but for something else, like have a cry, but on the back of the bike. Sure, but it's, it's so funny. It's, it's it's quite funny seeing a bitch have to switch and say, "Oh, yeah. did you? Well, what did you have for breakfast?" Yeah, was it nice? yeah. <laughs> the body situation. Uh, we've gone back in time. We're back in the apartment. Alexis Arquette is in the bathroom with a gun and we hear the speech we see Brett t- die this time and we see Vincent Vega alive Right now I have a weird question because I can't believe there's anything that's uh, even done by mistake in this movie because it's Quentin Tarantino the bullet holes are in the wall behind them before he comes out and fires there's really? a shot of them standing there oh. together just before he fires and you can see the bullet holes now either it's just like well we've done it already we can't like we're up against the time up against time budget blah 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 yeah. but they are there before he shoots Do you know what 
what I'm hearing. What? New section, continuity mm. corner. You can have that. <laughs> I don't want it. You should have I, it. I, I don't want it. <laughs> and you would like to think it wasn't a continuity right. error, being that it's quite important. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. I've rewatched it because I was like, that can't be. And it's there. There's, mm. they're, they're there before. It's interesting. And, and so the theme of the movie is being stated out right here about luck, divine intervention and fate. Uh, we should be fucking dead, man, says Jules. And uh, Vincent doesn't believe him. And so this is the beginning of their breakup because it's kind of a breakup movie as well. Sure. These two characters sort of love each other. They squabble like a married couple. And, and this moment they just cannot agree upon and it's going to split them apart ultimately forever. Uh, they leave and take Marvin with them in the car. And it's just nice to hear Vincent talking shit again because we thought he'd gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I like the fact that we lose Vincent because we get him back quite quickly um, and he's on good form. Uh, but... Boom! Oh, man. I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> John Travolta added in the face because he thought it'd be funnier. Tarantino <laughs> yeah. said he was right. It is. It is wow. <laughs> wow. Interesting theory here. Uh, Samuel Jackson thinks that Vincent did it on purpose because he was still annoyed that Marvin didn't tell them about the guy in the other room in the apartment. Really? He asked Tarantino. Tarantino wouldn't answer him. And John Travolta maintained it was an accident. He believes he's characterized it as an accident. But Jackson thinks that Vincent's a complete arsehole and did that on purpose and then said it was an accident. Well, th- that then makes... Sh- I, I almost want that to be true because you're then not so upset when Vincent goes if he shot Marvin in the face for, for real. Mm. Yeah. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I don't think he did. No, I don't think yeah. no, no, Jackson's wrong, basically. <clears throat> you, don't say he'll, he'll come after you. Um, but they're acting like aliens here, I think. No real person acts like this when you've shot someone in the face. <laughs> I mean, not that I know. But, <laughs> you know, they're worried about the upholstery rather than the fact they've just snuffed out this young man's life. Uh, it's this heightened Chris reality. Chris isn't welcome back in Croydon. <laughs> but it's also, it's like they've become desensitised to violence, which is, I think, something Tarantino's talked about a lot, about how we all have. Well, yeah, but that's that happens earlier. Even like when they when they shoot Brett's friend, mm. you know, did I break your concentration? That's so casual, and that man is just lying there eating his lunch or whatever. He hasn't really been established yet to have done something wrong apart from being in that yeah. room. The first fully and, evil moment in the film. Yeah, yeah, and he kills him, and it's like that's so. But he doesn't even look at him. I think anyway. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cold. Uh, DeVito, Dan DeVito said he had a meeting at the White House where all the talk was about too much violence being on screen and how Hollywood should address it. He was told by producers he should. And he, he asked Tarantino... They're very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Yes, Mr. President, yes. Uh, he, Just let me get this one movie produced. He, sa- he said he sat down with Tarantino and said, this is really over the top, you're going to get blowback from this. Tarantino said to him, but it's funny. <laughs> DeVito said it turned out he was right. <laughs> Everyone thought it was funny and it did not get the blowback I thought it would. Uh, so Jules makes a call with Braid on his face and he, he, they're going to do clean up at Jimmy's but Jimmy ain't happy and we ain't happy because Jimmy's played by Quentin Tarantino <laughs> why do I not want to you know you can imagine how I feel about no. it so he offered this role to Eric Stoltz he said to him you can play one of the dressing gown roles there's two dressing gown people <laughs> wait so then Tarantino would have taken the other one maybe maybe Jesus Christ it's just so bad it's 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 it, I mean I what did, what did I so it was uh, Dust Till Dawn and I was like I don't think he's as bad as everyone says mm. in this movie you did say that yeah and i i stand by that in from dust to dawn this is bad it's this so is bad, bad. so he's, he's giving a bad performance and he's playing the character who uses the most foul uh use of the word the n-word <laughs> so, here so i just don't i, I don't understand because we get that what if moment where his wife bonnie is black yeah 
So I'm just so confused about how that works. Like, it, like, well, isn't that a thing that some writers do where it gives you permission to do this or justification uh, by having a black wife? So he can say what he likes because well, he doesn't really it, but mean he, it. But he, but he wouldn't do that because he'd know from having a black wife that that would That's be... not that, acceptable. That is the worst thing you could do. So it's just like, are you keeping that in? And, like, she's not here and it's this release and, like, you're this weird fucking... Per- it's just such an odd thing. So he says he feels black. He was brought up black. His his, his mum uh, was single and dated a lot of black men. They were taken to black exploitation cinema. This is cinema. Tarantino. This is Tarantino. This is, this is what's come up when, when he's talked about this. Mm. Um... I don't know. It's, it just seems unforgivable in some it's really, instances. It's, it's really simple because Quentin Tarantino is not the actor he thinks he is. And look at Tim Roth. Tim Roth is racist. And you sort of, you get, you run along with it. You're like, okay, you're a racist robber. Cool. Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> whatever. But you, all you see is Quentin Tarantino because he's not a good actor enough to subsume himself in the role. So you're just like, it makes you want to pull your skin off because you're like, that is gross for you to say that. Yeah. But you could just be, Jimmy could be a racist. Why not? You can write that character. He's a complex racist. He's got a black wife. Okay, fine. But you need an actor to do it because otherwise you're constantly watching Quentin Tarantino, the man, do it and it makes you feel and I guess, gorgeous. But also the discomfort comes from the context of this happening over and over again in the films after this by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And it's like, well, has this man got a problem? Yeah. If he keeps coming back to to, to the overuse of this word, when that dead storage unit line could be said without the N word, yeah, it could be had said with a different word, yeah. Um. Uh, so I was looking into it a little bit just to try and get some context. This is what Spike Lee said in 1997. I have a definite problem with Quentin Tarantino's excessive use of the N-word. And let the record state that I never said that he cannot use that word. I've used that word in many of my films, but I think there's something wrong with him. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Um, I mean, also, if you are going to put yourself in your own movie and you are Quentin Tarantino and the actor you are, probably don't have it in a scene with Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta and Harvey Keitel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shared Universe. Maybe maybe with Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, shared Universe moment. Uh, in Reservoir Dogs, uh, Nice Guy Eddie says he's going to get a nurse called Bonnie to come and patch them up. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, so they've got 90 minutes and uh, he's sending for a character called The Wolf, uh, played by Harvey Keitel. It's just, it's, you, met, you did the joke already. Mm. Ruined. Ruined? It's, abs- it's I just, like, I, I, I didn't look into it. I don't know whether you did. I don't know what the story is, whether no. Harvey Keitel rang Tarantino and went, look, I've been off for this, can I do it? And Tarantino was like, yes, ruin one of my movies forever. If you, <laughs> if you don't live in England, there are a series of adverts for direct line insurance where uh, Harvey Keitel plays Winston Wolfe, and it's it's distressing. <laughs> It's the, the adverts are fine, but you can never watch Pulp. You will never enjoy yeah. this section, yeah. which is a really great section yeah. ever again. Yeah. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems like your insurance. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's so awful. They've got 40 minutes now, um, <laughs> and they really need to get to work, but Vincent wants a please. I think that's a really funny exchange that yeah. wouldn't... Another writer wouldn't do that because they would be making this a scene all about speed, but the film stops so we can ask for a please, <laughs> and you've got this moment of levity and humour it sort of does the unexpected and then obviously Harvey Keitel says pretty pleased with sugar on top clean the fucking car (laughs) (laughs) it's such a great delivery Um, and Jules gives Vincent that look like this married couple I'm like not again we've really just got to move here Uh, he even puts Vincent on brain detail (laughs) Uh, they get stripped and hosed down um, and now we know why they're in shorts and t-shirt and flip flops and they look like dorks Uh, they take the car to Monster Joe's truck and tow 
deleted scene which I have watched. Oh, does it explain the relationship with? Uh, it does a little bit. Good. Uh, we learn who Monster Joe is, though. Or we see him. He's played by Dick Miller. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's not much of a scene. So we meet Monster Joe. Um, they're haggling over the price of body parts to dispose. It, it feels like a, a Pulp Fiction moment. And then out in the back, there's some flirting between Winston and Raquel. I think um, he's asked her out a bunch of times, and she's always said no. And then eventually, she says, "All right, I'll come for lunch with you." Well, uh, and that's done. So we're, the ep- we're in the epilogue. We're in the home straight. It's the diner. The diner from the beginning. No way. Got, have we gone back to the start? <laughs> what? My, bra- my brain's working overtime to I've figure out what's going on. I've never seen Rashomon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually haven't. Um, they're laughing together, Vincent and Jules. They, they love each other, really. But this, is, this feels like that last breakfast or that last dinner you have with a... Oh, the uh, with last a, supper? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right. Ooh, I like it. But yeah, when you saw... it doesn't. Yeah, but he likes it. So well, it's that, it's, it's that conversation. It's that conversation where you both know it's over, and they're just sort of slowly admitting to each other. Jules is talking about having the touch of God, but why? He doesn't know why, but he can't go back to sleep, so he's quitting the life. He's gonna wander the earth. No, like, it's the best way. He says, you know, getting adventures. Getting adventures. Like Kane in Kung Fu, who became. Um, <coughs> Bill, yep, and kill Bill, uh, and then we cut to pumpkin and honey bunny. In case we haven't been paying attention, <laughs> but also we're building the anticipation just to make sure we know that this the, the, the robbery is about to happen. Uh, Vincent goes to take a shit. Has Vincent got a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Because the same thing happens at Butch's house, mm. and that's what gets him killed. Oh, yeah. Is this film not about fate, but just oh, having yeah. poor internal <laughs> combustion engines? <laughs> whole theory about how it. Um, Emasculates him because he's sitting on a toilet as well. Of course, it's, he has to be sat on yeah, to do it to well, function. For, yeah. yeah, I know, but there's something about being vulnerable <clears throat> in that situation. This, but that's what makes it good. Yeah, sure. And it's the book he's reading as well. Oh, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, the fact that he is reading our book, or is it a particular book? I think it's a row. I, I can't remember. Okay. Oh, no, it's there's, the, there's, uh, there's if you're going to bring it up, you've got to say it's the blooming comic book about the French secret agent. Right. Oh, Alex. Sorry, I didn't know there were rules. <laughs> but I do now. You make yourself look stupid. <laughs> yep, yep. Robbery! Honey, honey Bunny's line is different here. <clears throat> it is different. different. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that. Yeah. I like that. But why? Why do I like it? Why is it different? I don't know, oh, because they shot it twice. <laughs> she fucked it up. <laughs> is that not the answer? Yeah, like the bullet holes behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. film's a mess. <laughs> no, the ed- editing is terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're pretty efficient. And dynamic duo. I yeah. think they're really good at their, their work. They are good. Um, Jules readies his gun under the table. Pumpkin wants the briefcase. Jules won't open it. You can cut the tension with a knife here. Gives him a count of three. Opens it. Pumpkin sees the light. Is that what I think it is? Mm-hmm. It's uh, beautiful. It's Marcel as well as a soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> good. Uh, Honey Bunny loses her shit. Um, she's got to be chill and cool like Fonzie. Like three little Fonzies. <laughs> and it's so impressive, I think, when Samuel Jackson takes control of the situation. Yeah. You know, that is not only a character taking control, but it's an actor taking control of a scene. Okay, go in that bag and get my wallet. It's the one this is bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tarantino wrote a scene where... Um, Jules shoots them both and then you realise that Jules is imagining this is what his life would be if he hadn't seen the light and so uh, this is how I would have behaved before my revelation and Jackson really wanted to shoot it and was gutted that Tarantino on the day just said no we're not we're not well, so it was a fantasy sequence it was, right, it, was, okay, okay. it was it was it was Jules imagining right, this right. basically um, but yeah they 
they've pulled this shit when he's in a transitional period. <laughs> <laughs> Such good wording, isn't it? Uh, Vincent appears. Uh, Jules does his speech with so much intensity. And now he's confused <laughs> as to who is evil, who is righteous, and who is the shepherd. The truth is, you're the weak, and I'm the tyranny of evil men. But I'm trying Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. <laughs> and he sends he sends Pumpkin and Honey Bunny off. They've survived the movie. With a lot of money. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, surf music plays, and the two of them strut out the place to live to fight another day. Mm. Alive. Yeah. So what's this about? Samuel L. Jackson was asked. He said that he reckoned it's about the people who are worth saving get saved. The two robbers, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, get saved. They get another chance. That's their redemption. Uma has the chance to die. She doesn't die. Butch gets another chance. Marcellus Wallace even gets another chance. So he's saying that the only people that die deserve to die, but that makes no sense nope. because no. Marv, Marvin didn't deserve to yeah, die. No, no. And that Brett, other boxer Brett, probably didn't. Brett probably didn't deserve to die, really. No. I mean, you know, you know. <laughs> Uh, Tarantino it's about redemption but also it's mainly about me wanting to see if I can make three different stories work, work as one and I appreciate that yeah. honestly because that is what it's about yeah. like people have lauded it and tried to analyse it and said things that he probably never intended yeah. he's just sitting there going oh and I fucking awesome at yeah. this he said That's I did it. it I achieved what I wanted to yeah um Sequel, though, I, I've, I've took me ages to find this. Do you want to know what the prequel would have been uh, about the Vega brothers? Oh, yeah, that he wanted to put Travolta yeah. and Madsen together, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was still talking about this in 2004. Like, but uh, This is him talking about this last year. Oh, wow. There's no plot, but the idea would have been it would have been in Amsterdam... So a prequel, obviously a prequel to this. Mm. Um, and Vincent's running the club for Marcellus. He's there for two years running this club. And one weekend, uh, his brother shows up. And it lasts for a weekend, the film, and they get into a lot of trouble. And he mm. says, that's what the movie would have been. I just never sat down to write it. And now everyone got old. <laughs> and also, his next movie is his last one, isn't it? He's, he said he's, he's doing Apparently one more so. movie and it's about a film critic. Yeah, people, people think it's Pauline Kale. Yeah, I know. Weird. Oh, no. Mm. Okay, I hope he's nice to her. <laughs> I think he will. Be. She wasn't. Al- she wasn't always nice. <laughs> no, I know, but that's her job, and it's like let's not make a film where he, like beats the shit out of her or something. Well, she's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I was. I, I had a guest on my other podcast, a trip to the movies, available on all good podcast <laughs> platforms. Uh, who was like called out Tarantino for uh, for. Um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Obviously, it's one of my favourite Tarantino movies, so I went very quiet and just listened. <laughs> but yeah, she was uh, she was very angry with him At for that end. movie. She was just like, the fuck? Why are we f- watching these fucking men? It's like this guy killed his wife. Ooh, it's Brad Pitt, so that's okay. <laughs> it's like, she really went down. Pe- people are different things. <laughs> so true. He's a complicated yeah. guy. And also, you'll never be a sports person. People are different things, but you will never be a sports person. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do the bits. Um, uh, Alex, favorite scene? I mean, fucking hell, goddamn! Is this the hardest best scene question ever? Like every mm, scene in this, pretty good. It's the greatest hits, it is isn't it? Iconic. Um, like the soundtrack. So it was almost the OD uh, adrenaline scene because I just I was laughing and tense, even though I've seen it before in equal measure. But for me, it's the first time we see Jules and Vince in the car mm. having that conversation about the Royale with cheese. Because I remember to this day, I'm watching it again for the second time. It is the scene I remember the first time thinking, I've never seen anything like this and this conversation in this car. And like, I'm, I, you know, I think until that point, dialogue like had always served action and I, you know like I, I loved action and I loved dialogue when it was sort of moving a plot forward but to just love dialogue this was that moment this was a huge epiphany for me that conversation about the royale with cheese and everything it's that <clears throat> scene Vicky 
It was almost the Royale with cheese scene, mm. and it should be. But as I mentioned to you last week, uh, when I was a script reader, which is like quite a long time after this, but like not that long after, because <laughs> this did so well and because it plays with the form, what happened was every single young man thought that the contents of their brain was worth committing to paper. And I would get sent a lot of, this is my first screenplay, and it would just be reams of trying to do that shit, and I would have to read mm. it, and it was bad. And so I'm traumatised by that, and it's wrecked the Royale with cheese thing mm. for me. So it is the OD scene, because Aye. that's fantastic. Aye. This is about really strong characters, really interesting relationships between the characters, and there's some themes working underneath it all. I would go I would go a step further, Chris, and I would say it's the the meter and the cadence and the poetry of it. That's what works. Mm. And you I've read you can read the script and it works on the page and it's even better when you've got two very fine actors doing it. It's it's I don't really think Vincent Vega is that much of a character. I think Jules has got the arc, he's got the biggest arc of everybody, but the stuff they're saying, the way they say it is what makes it work rather mm. than the content, I mm. think. Anyway. I think I I think you've hit the nail on the head because it's it isn't the references. No. It's the way they are delivered. The parrying. And yeah, yeah. It's, the t- it's like the pauses and like what is picked up and what's ignored and what is repeated. Yeah. You know, the Royale with cheese, the fact that Vincent says it and then Jewel says it as well. It's just, it is beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful to listen to. So, Alex, you said you didn't like the fact that the film kills Vincent. Yeah. I think that is a ballsy, a brave thing to do. And my favourite scene is when they bring Vincent back to life because it just gives you this weird feeling. It gave me a weird feeling inside of, oh, I've, I've n- never seen this before. And it's become a cliche now. Films do this all the time, but I, you've just never seen it happen before. And I think that's what really made this film unique was by... Um, so, most valuable whatever, Vicky. <gasps> Samuel L. Jackson. By quite a long way, because the first time you saw this film, I think the conversation was, can you believe how good he is? Like, he gets the best lines, that the Ezekiel stuff is, like, is the best. But it's just, he's like regal. He's magnificent. And then I've seen it so many millions of times, and you can, I think Uma Thurman's amazing as well, but just this viewing, you're like, he's still astonishingly good. Mm. I mean, everybody's good, and the script is incredible, but there is something, he's just got something else. Like, and it, maybe he's other people, he's a brilliant actor, but maybe other people are generous enough to kind of step back as well and just let him run the scenes a bit. Like, I bet Tim Roth was probably a bit pissed off <laughs> at the end, because, that, like you say, that is Samuel L. Jackson controlling that whole exchange. But he's just amazing. He is incredible. So still him, and it was him always. Mm. Alex, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do love Samuel L. Jackson. For me, it's Travolta. Like, I love, I love Vincent. I really love Vincent, and I just think he's so good in this. Like, I'd never really sort of been on board the Travolta thing. You know, I mean, like, I can't wait for the uh, episode we're doing about fucking Greece sometime. But like, I just, I like this. He's, was, he's quite good in that. <laughs> I've seen it. He's not. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I think the bit, like, even when he's not speaking, and like you mentioned the way he delivers the lines and it's beautiful and it's funny and it's different. And But when he's sitting on his own in the car at Jack Rabbit Slim's and the camera's just on him and it's just like, there's something about his performance that I'm just, I, I find amazing and wonderful. And he just come off the back the year before of a talking dog movie. <laughs> And so he must have got this script and realised this was his shot, this was his way back, and he gives it his all, and he's brilliant, and it's just such a shame that he got this, and then he went, fantastic, I'm back. Michael, yes. Phenomenon, yes. Any script filter, no. Just give me all the money again. We are going to do Michael and Phenomenon, though, aren't we? We're not. Why Why not? You, you're... 
Didn't you use Michael as an image for your... No, that's Phenomenon. What's that? Phenomenon. Yeah, phenomenon. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Same film. Yeah, fine. Um, for me, uh, the soundtrack's up there. It's one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. It felt like the soundtrack of my life for years. Sally Mankey, um, Sally Mankey, um, I think should get a shout out. She was such an important ingredient to these amazing movies. She very sadly died in 2010, but she was so important to the Quentin Tarantino film. But yeah, I'm going to pick a chap called Quentin Tarantino. Who's that? I feel like he's the most valuable ingredient to Pulp Fiction. And I'm done. Uh, Alex, what would you change? Uh, right then, so I, I did a lot of mine. Fabienne, uh, get in the bin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> just, you, can't, you can't stress it enough how Fabian needs to be removed from this film. Get in the bin! That's lovely. Oh, that's really cheered me up. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the cab driver. Oh, most of my changes come from the butch sequence. I don't like the cab driver uh, sequence either. Mm. And the reason I don't like that, it's weird because you said at the start these characters wouldn't exist in the, the real world. Mm. And I find everything about this movie feels like um, a reality, whereas that cab sequence feels like a proper... And I know the movie's called Pulp Fiction and it fits the genre. It is very pulpy, but it sits so at odds with everything else in this film. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what it is, whether it's her, like, the, the, the way it... Sh- I, there's something about that scene that is like, this feels like a different film. So I don't like that. But my big one, uh, and it's probably one of the... It's weird to agree with Harvey Weinstein anymore, but don't kill Vincent. I, I, I really fundamentally believe that you don't no, need... No, he, he didn't say that. He said he, when he got to that bit, he didn't like it, and then he said it was genius when they brought him back. Oh, okay, okay, so thank God. Uh, I'm disagreeing <laughs> with Harvey Weinstein. I, There's loads of things you can disagree with him on, I reckon. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> There's not just that whole menu of yeah, things. Yeah. But... This is how much I really don't like the fact Vincent died. Because, you know, you were talking about Honey Bunny's words being different at the end. Mm. And, uh, you know, about how people have analysed it and all of this. And I think there's some stuff about how it's, you know, different different people's perspectives, different people's narratives, their story, you know, unreliable narrators, all of that. I convinced myself that her words are different at that point because things have changed and they won't be the same. So actually this new reality that has existed because she has said something different, which means things are different mean that Vincent might not die this time round. You've multiversed that's, it. That's how much I don't want Vincent to die. I okay. just, it, it spoils this movie for me. I hate the shot of him lying there. That you know, And you know how I feel about being killed in a toilet. In a vulnerable position, yeah, yeah of mm. course. So don't kill Vincent. Remove the scene that <clears throat> makes you think. <laughs> Vicky. Uh, I'll do two. One of them is very, very typically me. You want to be collapsing those characters of Esmeralda, <laughs> the taxi driver, and Butch's girlfriend. When he gets in the cab, mm. his life is at stake. He's just double-crossed a very serious man, mm. and he just gets a random cab. I did, yeah, I hate thinking like that. You, part of me is thinking, how did he get that cab? Yeah, like, so how the, far in advance did he plan this? Because I started yeah. thinking, is, can, you call, can you call a yellow cab like that? But is yeah. it meant to be, are we meant to think, is it meant to create sort of like jeopardy, like, oh, is she going to double-cross him? Is that why it's there that like she's like, you know, she's a bit suspect yeah I think they should do a thing where I honestly thought it was that thing where you pretend not to know each other because it's sexy or whatever and he's, and he's like well I'm in your car and she's like who are you and he's like you don't know and then eventually they're like we do know each other and like it's cute is that sexy for you <laughs> Mark <laughs> bring the cab round from 
it's that time. It's that time, Uber, baby. Yeah, my Uber rating is shocking. Give me a lift. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to share this ride for safety. <laughs> and cheapness, but it's still sexy. <laughs> oh, no. What's upset you? I can't think of the word. I had a really good joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use that in future. I've, I've got a really good joke. I just uh, don't know the uh, word. Uh, are we surging yet? How <laughs> oh, nice. How oh, nice. No, yeah, I just couldn't think of the word. So anyway, collapse of characters. Uh, so then they get back to the motel and Esmeralda's his girlfriend and then Fabian's not in the film, which is obviously for the best. The real change is, I would just like one minute, I don't care whereabouts in the timeline it is, probably actually pre the overdose, I would like to see Mia Wallace and Marcellus Wallace together just for two seconds as a couple because they don't make sense to me as a couple. We do, don't we? I mean, he's on there by the pool. That's not her. She's that is her. No, yeah. in the cap. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Are you joking? No. Yeah, I thought just, he was just. She looks just a bit different because she hasn't got. Her, people can her look different. People look different, though. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. Are you really sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it, you're right. It doesn't actually look that much like her, but it is her. You're certain? Yeah, yeah. Then I take it all back. Yeah. Great. That's, that's exactly Perfect what I movie. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> just collapse those characters and we are in business. If it, if it weren't for Fabian, I think this would be a perfect movie. And it really upsets me. This would be my favourite Tarantino film. And from the first time I saw it, I just it just destroys this film for me. <laughs> it destroys it. Get in the bin. And, it, and, and, it, and it's so easy to keep Butch's story and lose her. Like, there's just so many easy ways around it. Or, or make her a more, I don't know, likeable, interesting character, whatever it is. I just can't stress that enough. Um, <laughs> Mr. Tarantino, I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> well, the other thing I can't stress is also, I think Quentin Tarantino should recast the character of Jimmy with an actor. So do I. Yeah, so do I. Better film. I was thinking about this. Who is the person in Quentin Tarantino's life who could have said at that point, you're so good at what you do, you are gifted, and you just can't do this? It does surprise me, because, I mean, I know Reservoir Dogs was a hit, and I mean... I get, He's uh, fine in that, but... But it's it's just a thing of, like, at this at this point, you're just sort of like, it's no one going, I mean, you're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not quite And you're going to ruin level. this bit. Yeah. You're going to ruin it. It's because he wanted to be an actor all his life. I know. His, I, I, I tell you what, Jimmy's neurotic. Steve Buscemi. Brilliant. Steve Buscemi's Jimmy. Quentin, you can play you the can Buddy be, Holly guy. Yeah, he played yeah. Elvis on an episode of Golden Girls. Right. You can be Buddy Holly. Perfect. Sure. Bang. That's my fix. That's Sorted. Great. And we're done. Right then, we are done. A, a, a little short episode. Uh, so apparently yeah. I've added, what, 45 minutes this week? <laughs> yeah. This was always going to be a long one, it though. It was going to be a long one. Uh, so that is us done with Pulp Fiction. Uh, let's uh, talk about the fact that on Thursday we're going to be uh, putting up against this, the movie Go. But let's look even further ahead to next week and The Clash next week. It's time for The Clue for you to guess what Clash we're doing next week. And Chris has the clue. Have I got the clue? Chris, yeah, I've got one. Got, I wasn't one. sure. I wasn't yeah, sure. It is you, yeah. Um, I've got a good clue. Right. Uh, watching the people get Larry is not very pretty, I tell thee. <laughs> I can't remember what the films are, so I don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> it's the one where we've got a guest coming on. Oh, right, okay, got you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that is watching the people get Larry is it's not very pretty, I tell thee. All right, <laughs> lovely stuff. Okay, I well, mean, I had a game, but we've done an hour and 40 minutes. I think, honestly, I think we, we, can, we can not do a quiz this week. No, sure. Is it, it's, just, it's just a shame because it did come with props. <laughs> It came with props. What? It came with props. 
Well, don't bring beer out and then... Now I'm more... No, no, no. We'll do it another time. All right. As I said, on Thursday, we're going to be seeing whether Go can come off the ropes and take down the mighty Pulp Fiction. Until then, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, where we are at ClashPod. And we will speak to you on Thursday. Have a lovely week. Until then, bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.